Welcome everyone, we are about to begin Be'ezus Hashem, Shalom Bayesh, Shir number 163. Uh, we know that people spend very hard-earned money seeking advice, Shalom Bayesh advice, relationship experts, to know what to do to seek to have a good marriage or a better marriage. And um, here I'm going to discuss, there's an author, Harriet Lerner, very good, um, Again, most of her stuff here is aligned with Tyra values. I'm going to share some of the things she writes in her book. Great advice on various things. And um, some shiurim going forward uh, in the near future will be um, based on this. And again, I'll put in whatever chazals align with it, Bezaz Hashem and all that. But Bekitzer... She starts off saying like that, that, you know, when you listen to two young people, what they have, I guess, in the secular world often is besides whatever nusach uh, they have for their, uh, you know, uh, be with you richer, poorer, or whatever, whatever they say, until death do us part, all that stuff, okay, which we call a ksuba, and, uh, and the chiyuve ksuba, and we have the Torah dictating to us, but they have their own nuschais. But very often what they also do is they come up with a list to basically commit, sort of like a vows, a marriage vows or commitments that two young people, when they're married, they say out loud to each other in front of the people that are there, family and friends. Actually, you know, um, we have our Torah, we have our Mahalach, and we stick to it. Uh, on the secular world, to do something like that is not necessarily a bad idea. Uh, that in front of family and friends, they say out loud um, commitments and expressions of what they want to say and do as they start their life together. So here is um, examples of some of those things. And um, one of them, I promise to always treat you with kindness and respect. I promise to be faithful honest and fear. I promise to listen carefully to what you are saying. I promise to apologize when I am wrong and to prepare any harm that I have done. I promise to cook or clean for you. I promise to be a partner and best friend for the, uh, for the best of times, for the worst of times. I promise to bring my best self into our relationship. And I promise to live these promises on a daily basis basis as a daily practice. That Nikud, I think, is really good. You know, you're saying that what I'm saying now is not because I'm full of emotion and we're married right now and we're starting our relationship together and everything's beautiful. No, I want to do this on a daily basis. And when they come up with this, and she says this at Ryan, it's a very true Ryan, very often, okay, some couples may go through uh, self-help books blogs, uh, you know, other places where they came up with these type of things and then they sort of copycat uh, stuff without thinking. Um, or they call up therapists, psychologists, marriage counselors and research. No, but most of them don't do this. They do this, especially some of them that are that self-awareness. They consult their own hearts and they express these things that I just said they expressed. And um, usually, you know, and this is common sense stuff, 
that people know intrinsically makes sense and it's a good thing to do. It's usually a good idea to treat the other person with respect and love like you'd like to be treat, treated. And if you live like that on a daily practice, even though you have a margin of error because people are human, but if more or less you try doing these things, your marriage will do very well. But it's not so simple. You know, in secular world, unfortunately, you have a higher than 50% these days. It's probably more like uh, 70% of uh, marriages falling apart, unfortunately. And people don't follow their promises. They don't follow their best thinking. They don't always eat in a healthy way, even, they, even though they know what's good for them. And uh, they don't necessarily do everything that they said they're going to do when they made those marriage vows. And yes, real life could be messy, could be, could be complicated. And the emphasis is it's common sense. You know, when you share a living space with another person and your finances are together and then you are um, negotiating the intimate life between each other and all these decisions you make in daily life with your children and chenech Yeah, it is stressful and complicated. And, you know, there is difficult things that take place. And when kids come up, beautiful, beautiful thing, but sometimes to make keep your husband and wife as a priority, it's very important to keep strong. And what she notices is as follows, and this is an important point I want to bring up, that what happens very often is that as you get older, you realize you're more humble about what marriage is about. And you realize that even the most mature relationships could become dysfunctional if you don't pay attention to it. She quotes a novelist, uh, someone, Mary Carr, a (laughs) a great line. She says, a dysfunctional marriage is any marriage that has more than one person in it. And the truth is that even the best marriages could get stuck with too much distance or intensity or pain. And basically what it is, is very simply with all of life, how we cope, it happens in marriage too. And there are two opposite ways that we cope that isn't necessarily healthy. And that's simply the fight or flight response. And it's one or the other. Fight, conflicts, back and forth, that's the fight response. And in marriage, it's normal that they do that. You fight with each other when things go off the rails there. And then the other way is the opposite approach of distance, flight response. I don't want to deal with this. I'm going into my shell. And that's mostly the way we handle stress. And when we handle stress in life this way, let's say, Holila, parent is not well, or you're you're having a problem with one of the children, um, or 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 there's a your husband was laid off of a job. All this happens maybe in the same year. You get zetzed, and there's a stress. And when there's a stress, it's more likely and more easily uh, to default back to a flight or fight response when stress comes up, and in a marriage as well. So in order for a marriage to work well, you need to have a certain goodwill, a real rutzing, a genuine wish to create a better marriage. It has to be a focus, intentional focus. 
yes, I'm not perfect, and my wife is not perfect, or my husband is not perfect. We're human beings, we make mistakes, but we all really want to make this marriage better. That is, means a lot, by the way. Even if you don't know yet how you're going to go about doing it, it's still a great first step to know that that's a tachlis, that that's a goal. And also, an openness in focusing on yourself. And listen carefully, not self-blame. We're not talking about bashing yourself, but to be critical of yourself in a healthy way. People don't know how to do that. Either they don't criticize themselves at all, and they ignore their own faults, which is terrible for a marriage, or even for your own self-development, or others are too overly self-aware to the extent that they blame themselves so much that they're filled with self-disgust or self-pity that that paralyzes them as well. The healthy way is a capacity, and this can be learned, again, no matter how you were in the past and how you feel you cannot do this, you can do this with practice, that you observe yourself, you accept that you're, you love yourself, that you have a soul, and you have great potential. But you also see your faults. You don't bash them, but you do notice them, and then you say, uh-uh, this is not acceptable. And you change your own steps in a pattern that's causing you pain or holding you back. And that everyone has the ability to do. We talked in the past about shame. That shame could be very, very destructive. It could be very destructive, paralyzing you. But a certain degree of shame that just motivates you to say, I don't want to be like this anymore. That's healthy. So you need an openness to focus on your own self. You need a willingness to engage in real changes, have the courage to say, I'm making real changes. You don't have to make dramatic changes like from overnight, but to really make those changes. And the most important thing is to practice, practice, practice those positive things. So I encourage you all, there's already 163 shiurim, if Kedai to go to the podcast and review those older shiurim, take notes, Again, it's not from me. It's from all chazals and wonderful advice. You write them down and you start practicing them. And you keep on going and hearing them again and again and working on it and working on it. Practice is a tremendous side of having a good marriage. I remember I used to play a certain instrument and the teacher used to tell, say as follows also. People who may not have, you have to have, I guess, a certain degree of talent But the great, great, great musicians, many of them, they may have had certain natural talents. That's true. They must have had some ear for music. But to become great on an instrument, to be one of the best, it takes practice and discipline, practice and discipline. So someone from the outside looks at that musician playing beautifully, whatever instrument they're playing, a trumpet, a clarinet, a saxophone, a piano, the way they play the drums even, everything. And they say, it's unbelievable how this person does it. It's mind-boggling how great they are. And it looks so smooth. It looks so natural. But what they don't realize is these people put in 
hours and hours of practice a day, every day, even when they became great. And even after being a musician for 30 years, 40 years, they continue to practice four hours a day, five hours a day, six hours a day. They never let up. And, they, and, 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 and it looks effortless, but they put in the work. And you can choose to do that in your marriage. You work, you practice. You choose happiness over the need to be right. You choose happiness over the need to always win an argument. You can be playful in a marriage. You can be generous in a marriage. You can be open in a marriage. You can both have a strong voice, meaning a firm voice, and a light touch. That's the way she uses the words, which is a beautiful way of putting it. Meaning firm when you need to be firm, but always with a kindness and a softness. You could learn how to calm things down. You'll learn learn how to warm things up. And you know how to react, even if the other person is behaving badly and they had a bad day or in bad mood, or even if they're intentionally being really not nice today. And you practice taking a firm, calm position on the matter and you learn how to handle it right and things get a lot better and the communication gets a lot better. And you start small. Every small positive change turns into more greater, generous, expansive changes, and that will help a lot. And that is very, very interesting, that um, you have to warm things up. You have to start. Sometimes people are so cynical already, you know, give me a break. I tried all my life to be nice. I'm not getting anywhere. What does nice do me? And in a marriage, people feel the same way sometimes. But what one has to realize is they need to often deliberately refrain from criticism and negativity and experiment with mindless of kindness and generosity of spirit, which is hard to do when you're the wrong party or you feel, let's say you're even right and you're you know, it's not always uh, you know, so clear. But let's say you know you were wronged and you have a long, long list of legitimate complaints. Okay? But nevertheless, the experiment on virtues is kindness and generosity of spirit. And you ask, why should I practice kindness when my partner is behaving badly? That's not covering up. That's not false brightness over real problems. But it's a solution. Because ultimately, kindness and respect and generosity of spirit opens up a Pesach for authenticity, for truth-telling, for productive problem-solving. And um, one (laughs) Harriet Lerner, she quotes a friend of hers that says that it's just when your partner is being the biggest jerk that you're called upon to be your best self. Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it may not seem fair. Why should I go that extra mile? But Adarabah, and you think that you're being a doormat or a shmata or, or just uh, being a punching bag or being just a loser. It's the reverse. A conscious decision to behave with kindness, authenticity, menschlichkeit, even if your partner, husband or wife, right now is not being the best, their best selves, to put it mildly, will come a very long way. Have a wonderful day.